Valley. Welcome to New Favorite Movie, the podcast where I put my movie knowledge to the test. The whole point of this podcast was just to introduce new and different movies that may have slipped past people's radars. And in that respect, it sort of worked. I really, really love hearing when people get back to me and say that they've checked out a certain movie because I brought it up with a guest or in a certain episode or whatever. With that in mind, I wanted to start doing some sort of quick fire, straight to the point, extra episodes that are just all recommendations about certain movies that I may not otherwise get a chance to talk about during the course of a regular episode. Some of these I haven't seen, uh, so we will be flying a little blind, uh, but they all look interesting and I'm sure someone out there is going to enjoy them. Not sure how consistent I'm going to be with these. Uh, Asking me to stick to sort of a strict schedule uh, might be asking a little bit too much. But it's the beginning of a new month, so it felt like it was the right time to try one of these out. I can also tell you where to find these movies. So hopefully that makes things a little bit easier. uh, Because I know once we all get scrolling through the streaming platforms that, you know, things can be hard to find or it can be hard to stop and and sort of pull the trigger on something so with that out of the way uh let's just get right into it and so the first one i'm going to talk about is tenant and it has just come onto netflix Tenant's an interesting movie um i'm not sure how many people had the chance to actually go see it in the movie theater because it came out literally in the middle of the pandemic I was one of either the lucky people or the foolish people, however you want to look at it, who did go and see it in the movie theater. And I'll admit, the first time through, I wasn't really that blown away by it. I wasn't really that impressed. Uh, It is a big-budget Christopher Nolan action-adventure movie. Uh, There's more than a few nods to sort of James Bond and Mission Impossible. And so there are definitely things, I guess, to enjoy but the story as a whole, I wasn't really, I, I didn't think it worked. I didn't think it worked. But I then rewatched it at home, where crucially I can control the audio levels, and I enjoyed it a whole lot more. Uh, I'm not sure if it's in his sort of top top tier of movies, but at the same time, when you make as many good movies as he does, it can be sort of hard to crack that that tier. It's probably his best acted movie in 10 or 15 years. I think all of the performances in it are all pretty great. John David Washington and Robert Pattinson are sort of our two heroes. There are two leads. They are both wonderful. They're both doing a sort of James Bond-ish thing. Uh, John David Washington's obviously American. So, you know, when I first saw this movie, I, I was like, well, he could, he could, realistically be a new James Bond but I guess because he's American that'll never happen so if he ends up taking the reins from Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible I think that would be a big win he's got the the physicality to do all the stunts and do all the action but he's also got a bit of a suaveness to him um, and a bit of a, a sort of arrogant attitude that I think would absolutely work in in those franchises hamming it up a little bit is Kenneth Branagh. He's supposed to be playing a like a Russian oligarch. Uh, the accent is a little cheesy, but at the same time, I think 
that's clearly what they are all going like that's clearly what he is going for is a little bit of cheese so in that respect it absolutely works what i would say is the action set pieces in the movie i guess because the first time through the story didn't work for me i sort of overlooked them but on the rewatch the action set pieces are probably some of the best things that christopher nolan's ever done so there is a a raid on a opera house that the movie opens with and it's pretty breathlessly great like you know you you will be sitting there sort of holding your breath and it's it's pretty stunning and then if you know anything about the movie there is this whole thing about going backwards and forwards in time and nolan captures a lot of that stuff in the action sequences where one character is moving forwards but the other character is moving backwards and so to coordinate all that like that's really really hard and that's really really impressive that they were able to do this in any sort of coherent way so the the action set pieces are incredible and i guess i would say just make sure that you have your remote control sort of close by because it's a pretty common and consistent critique of nolan movies that the audio levels feel a little off when when he does the mix sometimes he mixes the dialogue to be a bit lower than sort of the the score or or the the sound effects work and i'd never really felt that before i'd seen all of his other movies and i'd never really got that criticism but in tenant that really really came through and so the first time through i there were whole scenes that i didn't fully understand what was being said or what was happening because i couldn't hear anything but when i rewatched it at home and i was able to adjust the audio levels sort of as needed and and could pause and rewind i guess crucially as well the whole movie did sort of click into place and so I, like that is sort of one tip i would say and you know i guess it's it's, it's not great to necessarily recommend a movie that you you're going to have to constantly be fiddling with but at the same time i, I do think it's uh, it's worth it so that's on Netflix, Christopher Nolan's Tenant. He's got an Oppenheimer movie coming out next year, which seems like it's going to be huge and crazy and wonderful. So, you know, this uh, is a good time to, to check out that one because I, I think it probably went past a lot of people just because it came out during the pandemic. Next up is a couple movies that have come out on Amazon Prime. So the first one is 13 Lives. Uh, this is a brand new release, just came out uh, today, Friday, as of recording. So I have literally no idea how good this movie is actually going to be. But it is the movie version of the Thai soccer team rescue from The Caves. It stars Viggo Mortensen and Colin Farrell, which for me is already sort of reason enough to be interested and reason enough to check this out, whether or not it's it's any good. Um, it's directed by Ron Howard, who has sort of long proved to be a reliable pair of hands in the director chair. And, you know, sometimes his movies are, are pretty great and sometimes they don't work for me as much. But at the same time, it's never because of sort of poor direction. So I think he, he's a he's a pretty safe guy to, to have in the director's chair. It will be interesting to watch this movie because I did just watch. Uh, the documentary version of this story called The Rescue, which I would absolutely highly recommend. The documentary did such a good job of 
highlighting the intensity and the anxiety that you know everyone felt and that then gets put onto the audience so if this movie can sort of replicate that in any sort of way i think it'll be a huge success if you think you know this story because it was so highly covered in the media and on the news having seen the documentary and having seen sort of the whole story and how it's how it actually played out and things like that i can tell you that you really have no idea so the story of how these divers went in there and rescued these kids um is sort of so much crazier than you could ever imagine so if you don't want to sit through a documentary even though it's a very good documentary 13 lives just been released on amazon prime i think it would be a pretty good companion piece or a pretty good way of of checking out the full story uh i have no idea if elon musk or a character playing elon musk shows up but i i highly doubt it so you know again plus points for that and uh yeah i'm probably going to be watching that in the next couple days just to sort of see how it stacks up to the documentary and uh vigo mortensen colin farrell two of my favorite actors working right now so it's uh it's definitely on the radar it's definitely one to check out the second movie on amazon prime is called licorice pizza and this is the most recent paul thomas anderson movie i just had the chance to talk about magnolia which is one of his earlier movies uh i think that that episode came out this week on the podcast uh so definitely check that one out as well i think licorice pizza for anyone who has checked out magnolia or anyone who is going to check out magnolia licorice pizza would be a really great showcase of paul thomas anderson's evolution as a filmmaker and so in that episode we talk about the fact that there are like two distinct halves to paul thomas anderson's career there's a first half and a second half and in the first half it's very much him showing off how skillful he actually is so that people sort of take notice of him that's how i feel anyways about his early movies is that he is pretty desperate to to show how good of a filmmaker he is whereas in the second half of his career he he knows and we know that he is the best and so therefore there's less he he doesn't feel the need to to prove it or show it off anymore it's sort of like a quiet confidence that he now has in his own abilities as a filmmaker and i think licorice pizza sort of bridges that divide really really well because what it does is it brings him back into the san fernando valley uh into the 70s which you know boogie nights uh was set in san fernando valley in the 70s magnolia is set in san fernando valley so it brings him back into this world that he had been before but had since left but at the same time he now has the new skills and the new sort of confidence uh of somebody who has gone on to make you know multiple masterpieces in the last 10 years or whatever so without sort of giving too too much away the story does focus on sort of the personal and the business relationship between gary valentine who is a sort of a teenage entrepreneur slash child actor and alana kane who is a bit of an aimless older woman so he's in high school and she's in like i think her early 20s so she's a few years older than him and they meet and there's this instant connection and that sort of fuels the whole movie 
uh, it is based mainly on true stories from PTA's friend Gary Getzman, who was a child actor and has since gone on to be this huge producer, and he works with Tom Hanks all the time and things like that. And so Gary Getzman, I think, told Paul Thomas Anderson a lot of these stories based on his own life, and then PTA sort of weaved them together and, you know, embellished some and added to some and things like that. So it is... I don't know. There there are some controversial moments in the movie. There are definitely things that uh, people have flagged as being problematic. I think Paul Thomas Anderson knows exactly what he's doing. He, he sort of invites the controversy. Um, but I think, crucially, he doesn't... It's, it's all in service of the movie and of sort of establishing this time. And there are characters in the movie who do and say reprehensible things. And I think you just have to sort of reestablish the fact in your head that this is supposed to be in the 70s. And, you know, there were, unfortunately, some shitty people. But it does feel like the movie is not necessarily... The, the joke is not on who they think they're making the joke on. The movie clearly puts these people as the joke. And I think that is the crucial point that Paul Thomas Anderson is making with these people so it's a bit of a nostalgic look back it's a bit of a sort of like can you believe this is how things were um there's boundless energy everyone seems to be running all over the place throughout the movie I have this currently ranked as my sixth favorite film from last year so you know anyone who gives a shit about my opinion on movies that's where it is you know last year was a pretty decent year for movies so finishing sixth i think i saw something like 90 movies from last year or something like that so to be sixth best that's pretty good um i will definitely be checking licorice pizza out again i haven't seen it since i saw it in the theaters so it'd definitely be a good time to to go back and and look at that one again moving to disney plus the first one i want to talk about is the movie prey so this is another brand new release I have sort of no idea how good it's going to be it is the prequel to the 80s action classic predator it's a franchise that's a bit spotty uh won't lie there are definitely few sequels that do not work and are not very good i think doing a prequel that is set in the comanche nation uh, during the 1700s so we're, we're looking back a good you know 250 years before the original movie is certainly an inventive way to maybe kickstart this franchise again it's directed by dan trachtenberg who was the director of 10 cloverfield lane which anyone who saw that you know again the whole cloverfield franchise is a bit spotty but outside of the original movie i think 10 cloverfield lane has sort of the consensus is that that is the second best in that franchise. So that gives me some hope. That gives me some confidence in Prey. It has a couple really impressive trailers. And that is really what I'm going off of here. We can't really... We, I have no idea about anything else. It's really just that and the director. There's not really a whole lot to say. Because nobody has seen this movie yet. Nobody under, Nobody knows what we're getting. What I would say is that... In 10 Cloverfield Lane, there were like many sequences of genuine tension and suspense. And I think if 
Trachtenberg can replicate that and recreate that with the predator sort of stalking through the jungle and through the woods or whatever. Uh, I guess not jungle if it's set in North America, but through the woods, then I'll be pretty happy. And I think this movie would be a success. And I don't really know if there's going to be other plans to do, you know, other sequels between this version set in the 1700s and the original set in whatever the 80s. But, you know, I think it's it's a great way to sort of hopefully kickstart this franchise again. Hopefully, you know, breathe new life into it by going way back and sort of stripping it all of all the sort of 80s machismo and over-the-top action. Um, you know, if you watch the trailers, there's not a whole lot of technology there. So, again, you're going to have this, like, highly technologically advanced alien versus a couple Comanche warriors who... You know, I, I'm not even sure if, if guns were introduced into North America at this time. So, you know, it's going to have to get creative. It's going to have to be inventive. And that's kind of what I'm interested in seeing. The second thing on Disney Plus, and I guess technically this is a TV show, but I think they're going to roll it out as like one or two episodes a week. So, you know, that's going to be an hour a week, I guess. So I, I'm going to I'm going to include it here. It's a new show called The Bear. And for anyone in America who's listening, this has been out uh, down there for quite some time, but we finally just got it released in Canada on Disney+. Plus. So I really want to highlight it here. I watched the first two episodes this week, and it is so kinetic and so chaotic that I was like kind of exhausted watching it, but in like the best way. So the the show is set in sort of the restaurant world and our main character, his name is Carmen. He goes by Carmi. He is played by Jeremy Allen White, who people might remember as Lip from Shameless. And he is a young chef who has sort of studied and worked in the fine dining world of like New York and L.A. and things like that. But he returns to his family's sandwich shop in Chicago after the death of his brother. And so that's where the first episode starts is that he he is back. He is in the sandwich shop and they obviously have uh, a routine and a system that works for them. And he's come in and he wants to elevate and change how the business works to be more in line with how he is trained. And obviously there's going to be some friction. So... The show, um, I've never worked in a restaurant, I've never worked in a kitchen, but I think the show really captures sort of how um, crazy it can feel back there, how wild, but also like this is a family. You're working with the same people in tight quarters day in, day out, and you very, very quickly understand like these people love each other, even though there are like scene after scene after scene of everybody shouting at each other or swearing at each other or, you know, insulting each other. There is then very quickly a scene afterwards where they're sitting down to a meal together or they're sharing a cigarette outside. You know what I mean? Like it is that heat of the moment sort of deal that as soon as you remove yourself from the situation, everything calms back down and we all go back to this understanding that we're like, we're all here together. And so the show, it, I think the the performances right now are the thing that I've sort of latched onto the most. Like Jeremy Allen White is the lead of the show, and he's very very good. Um, Eben Moss Bacharach, 
who was on Girls for a little while, anyone who remembers Desi on Girls, he is a tornado coming into this show. And he is so fucking good as this sort of asshole older cousin to Carmi who on one hand wants to keep everything the same and thinks he's in charge, but on the other hand has to constantly be reminded that he wasn't left the restaurant when the brother died. The brother died and left the restaurant to Carmi and there's clearly a huge chip on his shoulder that his younger cousin, who he's probably picked on his entire life, is is just much better than him. Like, Carmi is a much better chef than even Moss Bacharach's character could ever hope to be. So it's it's their dynamic really is sort of at the center of the show at least so far i'm only two episodes in i think there's um i think there's probably eight or ten uh so it'll be uh, on for a few more weeks anyways and i think the the bear so far has been really impressive and if they can sort of keep up this energy if they can keep up this pace to every episode then i think it's easily going to be one of my favorite shows of the year and finally it wouldn't be a recommendation pod for me without mentioning something that is in movie theaters right now. I would say before we get into this that you know check your local theaters. This is a pretty small independent movie. It's not going to be playing in the big cineplexes. Um, so you know you might have to do a little bit of digging. You might have to do a little bit of searching. You might have to travel a little bit. I was very lucky that this was playing at my local theater so i literally was able to just walk down one afternoon and see it but i am talking about marcel the shell with shoes on so instantly best movie title of the year i think without a doubt nothing will be better than marcel the shell with shoes on it is a sort of quasi documentary uh feature film about a talking shell who lives in an Airbnb and the person who comes to stay in the Airbnb is a documentarian and he starts making short videos about Marcel, uploads them to YouTube and Marcel becomes a bit of a, a viral phenomenon on YouTube. You would think that the gimmick of a tiny talking shell should wear off pretty quickly, but uh, Dean Fleischerkamp and Jenny Slate, who are the creators of Marcel the Shell, are like wildly inventive and creative and they have really put together this story that is so heartwarming on one hand and so funny on the other that you sort of never get bored you never get tired of the whole thing we never see dean fleischer camp on camera we only or we i guess we do we do see him in, in brief moments but we mostly just hear his voice and jenny slate is obviously voicing marcel so it really is just like this world that they've created for the shell and how the shell gets around this house. And I could watch it all day for hours and hours and hours. Like it is so creative that I was pretty blown away by it. It's instantly become one of my favorite movies of this year. And I'm really looking forward to going back and seeing it again. There are shorts on YouTube. So Marcel, the shell was, they made like three, four minute short films and just uploaded them to YouTube over the last few years. And now this is the feature length version. And so some of the jokes and some of the bits are definitely recycled from the YouTube shorts, but they, 
thankfully go much further. There's way more story here. Um, I think it comes in under 90 minutes. Uh, I'd have to check that out there. I think it's like 85 or 86 minutes or something like that. So it's not a huge commitment. And um, I think it's just like, it's like very transporting. It's very different and new and it's not something that I've necessarily seen before, which if I'm going to go to the movie theater, that's kind of all I'm asking for is like, just give me something different. Give me something that I'll remember and that I can recommend to people. And I think Marcel Deschel sort of checks off all the boxes that I'm looking for. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I don't really know what else to say. I don't want to give too, too much away there. You know, the, there are obviously is a trailer that you can, you can check out and, and sort of get the gist of the story. But what I would say is like, it's absolutely worth going to check out. It's absolutely worth your time. You know, obviously going to the movie theater uh, can be a challenge for certain people with other commitments than myself. But I think if if you only go to see Marcel the Shell with shoes on, uh, if that's the only movie you see in movie theaters this year, I think you'll be pretty happy. Those are the recommendations that I've got. So we've got lots on streaming service and one in movie theaters right now not certain how often i'll end up being able to do these sort of shorter episodes but if i do them in the in the future they'll definitely be coming out on fridays friday and the weekend is definitely the time for movies so i think friday would be a good time to release these episodes i will be back on wednesday with sort of our regular scheduled episodes and so I'll have another guest, another movie, and another recommendation then. And as for these, I don't know. I'll just keep my eyes out and see what I see. And if there's anything interesting or anything of note, then I'll be back for another one of these episodes. But thank you for listening. And hopefully you check out some of these or all of these movies. And then, you know, if you do, let me know. What did you think? Were they worth it? Was the recommendation good? Was it interesting? And uh, yeah, I hope to hear back and I look forward to hearing back from, from some of you. So thanks again for listening and I will see everybody on Wednesday.